0: Father, we bless you. Thank you for your word to us. And thank you for such a great congregation that you've allowed us to shepherd. Wonderful people, Lord, called by your name, anointed by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to come together and be in a nation where we can freely worship you. God, we've been to other nations where people have to, they have to hide and plan to have a meeting that we can have so freely. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No matter what this nation looks like, all the chaos in it right now, it is still a great nation. And we thank you because you have it in your hand. So Father, we ask that you'll open the word to us. Holy Spirit, you're the master teacher. Teach us today. We ask for your grace upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, so we're talking about, we're talking about what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Would you go to Matthew chapter 13? Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to, our text is found there for today. Here's what we've been talking about. If you haven't been with us for the last two sessions, what I'm doing is I'm literally walking us into the most important thing, to Jesus, which is the kingdom. It was the most important message he preached, which was the kingdom. Jesus' most important message was the kingdom of God. He came and he preached the kingdom of God. Nicodemus wanted to get saved, and, and, and Nicodemus came to him by night, and Jesus said to him, he said, how do I do this? Now, Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. So it requires a change of heart to even see the kingdom. So Jesus' perspective was aligned by this whole idea of the kingdom. Last week I put a dot on the board and and we had nothing but space. And I said that everything on that dot are all the events that we experience on this earth. But the the expanse was eternity. See, we have a hard time fathoming what eternity is because we can't think in infinite measures. We have to think within parameters. So when you give a picture like that, it sort of helps out to see eternity. When Jesus looks at this earth, when he was on this planet, he, saw e- he lived from an eternal perspective. Let me help you out, 9-11 was a tragedy in this state. I mean it was a tragedy. I remember the day, the, the day it occurred, I was watching TV. I'm t- what, what, look at the buildings What's, what is that? Not realizing that this was actually happening the, the volume was turned down on the TV and I saw the planes going and the buildings coming down. Not realizing also that my son worked in that building that my daughter who is here worked not too far from the building they both didn't go to work that day oh, wow. <laughs> And I'm, I don't realize what I'm looking at. I'm looking at not realizing how that thing was going to impact us. The church I was in, we lost eight members in that building. Cantor Fix Gerald, which was the largest um, firm. Um, we, we had to talk him through his issues. And um, one, of the, one of the only black... Um, Um, investment brokers in the company and um, we had to do his service and so so many services we had to do and what I had to have from God I needed a I needed a perspective to help me with all of this because I didn't know how I didn't know how to how to reason all of this why you ever ask God why why you know, why? why? Why did Miles Monroe, Pastor Miles Monroe, his brother-in-law, his assistant pastor, little baby, his, a lot of his staff, why did they get on a plane and the plane blow up? On his way to a leadership meeting. Why, God? Why? And the Lord settled it for me in Luke chapter 13. I'm not going to go there right now. But he gave me there's a story in there about the Tower of Siloam falling down. And the Jews used to always associate tragedy with somebody's sin. Are you hearing me? That if they have, what did they do to deserve this? Do you know you got to do nothing to deserve this? Turn your name and say, we all going to die one day. Okay? Now here's the thing. You don't know how. Let me help you. I don't know if I'm going to die in a tragedy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the deal. Jesus told those people, he said, he said, you better repent lest you also perish. What was he saying? He was saying dying ain't the issue. Because I've already dealt with death. You've got to understand, this is eternity talking in time. He's already dealt with time. All the events of time. He's already, are y'all hearing me today? He's already reconciled everything that can happen in time. He said, said, you guys better repent unless you also perish. So the point was, dying ain't the issue. Staying dead is the issue. When you die, you don't want to stay dead. Are you hearing me? That was the resurrection talking. I've already accomplished your life in the next dimension. I need you to walk with me into the next dimension and not fear what happens in time because I've already dealt with time. Matter of fact, the moment you accepted the kingdom in your heart you accepted eternity in your heart are you hearing me so everything you should see you should see it from a perspective of eternity I remember one of my friends one night, her house was burning down, and it was. We, 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 I think we saw it on the news, or somebody called us. We were living in Far Rockaway at the time. We went around the corner, and her house was burning down, and she's, she's panicking. All the news trucks are out there. Everybody's out there taking pictures and getting ready to get the story, and her husband is just standing there like there. He was literally laughing. See, people who have an internal perspective, they see things different. You think they're crazy. I'm crazy. She's panicking. Oh, God. He said, babe. He said, sweetheart, don't you see that bathroom you want? That kitchen you wanted? Don't you see that that jacuzzi bathtub you've been asking me to? It's right there. (laughs) Sure enough, when they rebuilt that house, she got everything in that house she wanted. But he saw it. He saw it. He saw it. He saw it. He had a different perspective. It's the difference between people who get blown away by a crisis and a person who can see a crisis and say, hmm. That's how Jesus looked at things. He had a kingdom what? Perspective. Okay, so we got to feed 5,000 people. Okay. Disciples, Lord, how are we going to feed these folks? Do we need to go buy bread? Yeah. Bye, Where y'all going to run? Why you going to run to the store? Anybody got seed? Any seed here? Oh, there's some seed. Hey, get that little boy's food right there. Bring it here. Father, we bless you for the provision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Miracle, supernatural intervention into a human event. <laughs> Now, y'all go and feed them. The food never ran out. Matter of fact, they picked up extras, Frag, Are y'all hearing me? That's kingdom thinking. That's the way kingdom people, you don't panic. You praise. Ah, oh, you need to write that down. That just came out of the spirit. We don't panic, we praise. There's a difference. Amen? That's a big, big, big difference. So he's asked to describe, what is the kingdom like? He said it's like a mustard seed. You put it in the ground, it grows into a tree, and the birds of the air make their nests in the tree. Wow. It's like a what? A mustard seed that you put in the ground, it grows into a tree, and the birds in the air Make their nests in the tree. And every bird ain't clean. All right. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Everybody say along the path. Along the path path are casual people. You're getting ready to read four soils of the human heart. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of what? Do you know your challenges come because you got the word inside you? Immediately he falls away which means he falls away and he embraces another word. Everybody say rocky. So we talked about casual and rocky. Verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out, choke the word, and it proves what? Did you see that? The deceitfulness of what? Everybody say mammon. mammon. This, is, this is the word, the seed that fell on thorns. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He hears the word or she hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, 60, and in another, 30. The parable of the sower, Jesus is teaching his disciples this parable, and and he he fully understood it, and he's using natural analogies to to paint a, a picture of the supernatural. So the text talks about how many types of soil? So basically, we're talking about four types of people. In reality, this is four types of people. So, the seed along the path are casual people. Seed is immediately taken from casual people. Seed on rocky soil has no depth. When the sun shines, it's scorched. It has no what? Depth. So it can't handle pressure. The seed among thorns the thorns are choked out by the cares of life. You got to be careful about getting caught up with the cares of life and letting them choke the very word that you have inside you. Then you had good soil, and it produced what? Grain. 100, 60, 30. And then another portion of Scripture says, based on their acceptance, on what they accepted did they produce. So the kingdom and these four types of soil are four types of people. I've met each one of these people. Long the journey, I've met each one of these people. At one point, I was probably in the same path. Not probably, I was. Jesus could have used another analogy but to describe the kingdom, but he chose seed. Everybody say Seed he used seed I believe he was very strategic in his use of words because a seed can be viewed in several ways he used nature to describe people's hearts his objective was to reveal how his kingdom works seed, seed if you have a dormant embryo and storage tissue and a seed coat you have a seed a dormant embryo, storage tissue that that embryo is in, and the outer layer being seed coat, which is hard. You have a seed. Some seeds are carried far from the mother by animals. They're called dispersers. They feed on fruit and then carry the seed somewhere else away from the mother plant. They drop it and it grows. Insects do the same thing. Some seeds develop a thick outer coat and require scarification, which is the scar of the coat, before water can enter and initiate germification. This thick seed coat protects the embryo as it passes through the animal's digestive tract. And in some seeds, there's a thin outer coat. Its light, light is able to pass through and signal or trigger germination, sometimes before the time. And if it's buried in a shallow soil, it'll trigger germination too early. Isn't it interesting how the Bible uses these analogies and we have scripture to back it up? Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose... They were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Withered away. Thin outer coat. In species with thin coats, light may appear and be able to penetrate into the dormant embryo. The embryo then uses the light to trigger its germination process. But when it does that, doesn't the Bible tell us Satan immediately comes and what? So in other words, when the word comes and it falls on a certain kind of soil, that soil immediately receives it with joy, rocky soil, and it receives it with joy. But it has no real root in itself. Because it has no root, it only endures for a moment. And guess what? The enemy comes and 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 he immediately comes and takes that word and steals it. He's he's going to try to steal what you're hearing today. Are you hearing me? Don't let him steal it. He's going to try to steal it. Don't let him steal it. There are three principles that we learn from these examples here. Three principles. Principle number one. If the outer shell is not cracked, the embryo inside can't produce. If the outer shell is not cracked, the embryo on the inside can't produce. That's principle number one. If the outer shell is not cracked, the embryo on the inside cannot produce. Realize this, folks, the seed has everything it needs to do what it needs to do. It is designed to produce. But of course, it needs to be talking about good soil, talking about some climate issues. We're talking about a number of things. Create germination. Here's here's principle number two. The embryo has no depth. If the embryo has no depth, it will produce too soon or not at all. My fear for a Kanye West. Here's my fear. Here's my fear that some Christian will get him and manipulate him. You watch celebrities come to the Lord, they parade them on stage. They're not ready to speak a word in anybody's life. No discipleship is going on. No mentor. no growing up. Nothing. We just paraded them on stage. Why? Because they got an audience. They're babies. Amen? Babies. He's a baby. I pray. That the germination process really takes place. Amen. Forget about who he is. He's a soul. Amen. Forget about all the, all, the, all the other stuff. Who, who he is. Because in the kingdom, he's he just like everybody else. Amen. But he's a soul. And what happens is people with bad motives... Trying to build their ministry. On the back. Are y'all hearing me? So, so, so. If the embryo has no debt, it'll produce too soon or not at all. Principle number three. Everything needed is in the seed, but left alone, it's not released. It's just left alone. It's not released. So the principle of release here, there's so much deposited by God in your spirit than you, e- you even know. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you, it, 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 it was, the words don't even do justice as to what he deposited in each one of us. Jesus also said, if the seed does not go in the ground, it die, it what? it abides alone. Didn't he say that? Verily, verily, I say to you, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and does what? Dies, it remains what? A single seed. But if it dies, it produces what? Many seeds. So it's got to go in the ground, it's got to die, that outer shell needs to crack, and what's inside be released. One of the ways... Its release is when death occurs, and that's what the Scripture is saying. It has to die. Everybody say it has to die. It has to die. When death occurs, we are officially broken. You've got to understand, the seed of the, the kingdom is inside, but death has to occur to release the seed. There's a death that has to occur in us to release what God has in us. There's a brokenness the seed must experience in order to produce. You've got to be broken. The shell, the outer shell has to be broken in order to release what's on the inside. Jesus came already broken. He was God, but he lowered himself to enter the earth. He came humble. He came broken. Though he was rich for your sake and my sake, he became what? Poor so we could be what? Rich in spirit. So you would understand how the kingdom works and be able to call things when you need them. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? When you learn how to tap in to the kingdom? When you have needs, the King. All your needs are supplied by what my riches were—not in Chase Manhattan. My riches were in glory. That's the true riches. Turn to your neighbor and say, "That's true riches, neighbor. That's the true wealth. That's the true wealth." When yes. yes. you learn how by faith to tap into it, but you'll never do it till you get broken. And that's why God's got to break some of us. Are uh, you hearing me? He's got he to let break brokenness come. It's very key that you be broken. Very important. Why? Because while my spirit is born again, let's read this together. While my spirit is born again, my soul must be converted to allow the release of the spirit. To lead my life. When that happens, it's called brokenness. See, everything is locked. You have what you need in your spirit. But it's your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions that sometimes block the release of that. From moving and experiencing it in your your world. Through your body. Because you are a tripart being. So in order to experience it, the outer shell, the body, has got to be broken so that what the inner man, the spirit, can be released. And sometimes you just got to be broken. I was broken. I was broken when I couldn't feed my family. I was broken when somebody brought food to my house so my children could eat. That's humility. After having enough money to live, and now I don't have any money to take care of my family. What he was trying to see is when, son, you depended on that too much. <laughs> I gotta break you from that. I gotta teach you to trust me. And sure enough, they brought food. Boy, that was humbling. Humbling! But it broke me. And taught me. Okay. Now, I got to trust him. Oh, that's, that's, you're trying to get my, oh, you got my attention. <laughs> you got my attention. <laughs> you got Man, went from driving nice cars to hoopties and was grateful for the hooptie. I had a hoopty with a chain on the, on the hood. When you went too fast, because there was a little bit of give in the chain, the hood would pop up like that. And the wind would, you know. My sons used to say, "Daddy, what's that?" I said, "That's that's the that's the Hemi, the turbo." <laughs> Never forget, um, my brother-in-law and I, during the winter one year, and and it's snow on the ground, and and I come outside, and, and the the same car, the, the battery was dead, couldn't start the. Called the he said, man, why you got this chain on, on the hood? He said, the battery dead. Ain't nobody going to steal this thing? <laughs> we fell out in the snow crying. You got a chain? And the chain was one of them thick, you know, the big thick chains. You got this chain holding this hood down for you. Ain't nobody going to steal this thing? <laughs> oh, man. God knows how to humble you. You appreciate when you can do better. Amen? Amen? Amen. You appreciate when better comes. Amen. You need to learn how to appreciate it. Some of us, just don't. We, get, we get so much. Yes. And we train our kids wrong. Yes. They don't know how to do without. Yes. They have no clue right. what without looks like. Right. Man, they just don't have any idea. I want to take my grandchildren on missions trip. That's my goal. I need my grandchildren to go with me on a mission trip. I remember we was passing a house one day, and we were in, we were in um, some country, Trinidad. And, and the lady was outside, she was sweeping the dirt. We were up in the mountain, she's sweeping the dirt. She's cleaning the path to her house. And we had a truck full of stuff that we were giving to people. I said, stop the truck, stop, the, stop it, stop it. And went into the house, and I said, ma'am, what are you doing? She said, I'm just cleaning. She had the most beautiful little girl. I mean, the most beautiful child. The little girl had dirt on her face, and, you know. So I said to her, I said, I said sweetheart, you want some toys? She said, yeah. I mean, pretty little. I said, y'all, da- Download. Download. They downloaded on that that little girl. They gave her oh, I all, mean, all kinds of stuff. But it broke my heart. And I'm sitting here saying, these kids in America, this you know, they, they they got kids in some countries. They take toys. They they know how to make. They take a stick and a and a, and a plastic thing and, and they, they make it into a toy. These rotten kids. Got everything in the world, and they still bored. I'll smack you. You don't know what bored is. I need to take you with me one day. Let you stay for about three days. See how bored you be. So I'm taking. That's my goal. I'm gonna take all my grandkids. They need to see. They need to see how blessed. They really are. And how to give. How to release. You don't need all of this stuff. Accumulate. We teach our kids just accumulate. 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 Stuff sitting in boxes and not even using it. Watchman Nee. How many of you ever heard of Watchman Nee? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite. You got to get his books. He was a Chinese man. His life was dedicated to God. He received an enormous amount of revelation. In other words, the Holy Spirit taught Watchman Nee. When you read his materials, it's like you're reading the Holy Spirit's writings. He was profound and prolific. He lived in China. He was arrested for his faith in 1956. He died in prison in 72. This man knew about being broken. Okay? And he knew about releasing the spirit through brokenness. And he said this this is what he said. He said three important things to teach new believers. And I'm going to tell you, you need to teach it to old believers too. Let's read it. How to what? How to what? Consecrate themselves. And how to what? Avoid mammon's stronghold. He said you need to teach believers three things, three key things. How to turn from sin. You realize we don't talk about sin in churches no more. And people are wallowing in it. How to consecrate themselves and how to avoid mammon's stronghold. You know, so we can understand number two and three, two, uh, one and two, but three, it's because of mammon's stronghold. You cannot break mammon's stronghold without consecrating to God. Being consecrated is all about being broken. So, brokenness is a choice based on my need for God. It's a realization you need God more than anything else in the world. That's what it bottoms out to. You realize, some of us haven't gotten to that place where we realize I need God more than anything else in the world. You still think you need your job? <laughs> you still, you know what's amazing to me? All right, here's what's amazing. I was in, I was in, in, the, um, in therapy the other day. And the guy is talking to me. He's got a PhD in something. He teaches over at, he's one of the athletic directors at Suffolk University, Suffolk uh, Community College. And we're talking and we're talking about stuff. And, and, and he's, I mean, he's breaking down technology because he's got a, a degree in technology. He understands how, the, how they're using technology to, to, um, to, to enslave kids in urban America. I mean, he broke this thing. I wish I had taped this guy. This guy broke it down. I said, "Man, that's deep." I couldn't even take notes. And then we start talking about some other stuff. And he said, "He said, you know, I go to Massachusetts to the dispensary." I said, "The dispensary." See, some of y'all know where I'm. I, I I rebuke you in Jesus. Lion demon come out come out <laughs> so, so So he's talking about the, the marijuana dispensary And he was telling me he goes all the way to Massachusetts the lines he said it takes an hour and a half to get to the to place to get your stuff He said no matter what time you show up it take an hour and a half His wife He has to go because she got insomnia and that's the only thing that helped me. I said, man, you would have put me out of business years ago. (laughs) I've been out of business. So, so I'm sitting there I'm saying, I'm saying, people don't stand in line for the word that long. As a matter of fact, when Sunday come, we got every reason. In. We, don't get, we don't get sick Monday through Friday. Friday. Saturday, we push through because we got to get stuff done. But when Sunday, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, not feeling well, Pastor. Well, you couldn't, you could not feel well yesterday. And here is the dispensary of life, where we're dispensing life for free. Pastor, pastor can't make it. Pastor. Well, when we Monday morning comes, oh, feeling <laughs> good. Off to work I go. <laughs> you cannot break man's stronghold without consecrating to God. Right, right. You can't do it. Being consecrated is all about being broken. Abraham, Abraham. Well, let me say this. Broken people surrender ownership. You can tell when they're broken. One main area of evidence is how they handle mammon. They know who it belongs to. People who are broken know who their money belongs to. Because they know who their life belongs to. Don't start with money. It starts with life. So if you don't have a heart for it, nothing else in your life will follow. Oh, Pastor, you're really preaching good today. Abraham was a wealthy man, right? He was wealthy. He was extremely wealthy. But Abraham was broken. And God needed to test him. He became the father of faith, if you read in Hebrews 11. He's one of the people we read about. He, he was tested. The Bible says he was tested. What was he tested for? To see if he would tithe his only child. But God just downloaded on me this week. He said... Do not lay your hand on the boy. After going through all this stuff, Abraham, go and sacrifice the child. Bring the child to me. Sacrifice him. And as Abraham is about to do it, the angel yells out, wait, hold up, wait. Abraham's about to kill his son. Don't lay your hand on that boy or anything. Don't do anything to him. For now, look at what he said. For now, I know that you what? What was the proof that he feared God, that he was willing to kill the, the thing that he loved the most? When you give up, when, you, when, you, when you're ready to give up the thing you love the most for God, you prove to God that you really love him. And he knows that this mammon issue in the heart of humans is a tight thing. And he's got to break us from it. So we understand. If I don't touch your knucklehead in the morning, you ain't waking up. (laughs) If I don't sustain that job you go to every day, all I got to do is go, it's gone. Your 401K gone. Your bank accounts is gone. <laughs> if I don't sustain this economy with my power, the politics is not doing that. Eh? And please understand this. Every, every civilization, every government collapses. But if I don't sustain it with my, so when are we going to get this right? When are we going to understand who really holds all the cards? When are we going to get that? And so he had to, he had to test the man's heart because it's the heart that's the issue. Yes, yes. Now that I see what you do with your only son, I know what you do. You'll do anything for me. And he knew it. Everything Abraham had, he was the first one to start this whole tithe issue. It ain't about money. It's about heart. Yes. Yes. I need to prove your heart. So whatever way can I prove it? Deal with the thing that you love most, the thing that's most close to you. When somebody tells me they have a relationship with God, this is the part that I want to see. I want to see, validate. It validates their level of commitment. That's why Jesus spoke about it so often. It's the most challenging area of commitment to God. And truth center, please understand me. We are at about 30%. Which is, for, for a church in America, not bad. It could be a lot, lot better. Everything we need is in this house. Amen. All God got to do is get you to be obedient. That's right. Right. That's right. We could put that, that uh, thing out on the, on the what, well, we need a lift? Yeah. We need a lift? In one service, we could put a lift out. Right. All we just need is people to be Obedient. Submit their hearts to God and be faithful about it. And stop pulling back and pulling back. And pu- Watch him do what he does with your faithfulness. Amen. 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 We turn from sin. Turn from sin is the first thing. You turn from sin involves rejection of everything you know that dis- displeases God. That's the first thing Watchman Nee said. Turn from sin. Ordering your priorities toward the kingdom. And it's righteousness. The second thing he said was consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. That's the second thing. If a person is saved but not consecrated, they end up loving themselves more than God. This must be reversed. It's interesting how this is not taught. Only the concept of grace is taught. You ever notice that? All we hear is grace, grace, grace. We don't hear no kingdom of God teaching. Because kingdom of God is about... Personal righteousness—it's about holiness, purity, and there's a life that goes along with being saved. Are you hearing me? Your body belongs to God, not to the man. Your sex organ belongs to God, and don't belong—it it belongs to the kingdom. Let him tell you what to do with your body. That's called ownership. That's another part of the teaching we're gonna get into. It's called what? Ownership. When he owns you, he'll tell you what to do with his property. Ah. But that don't happen if we don't consecrate ourselves. You still think you belong to you. Only preach the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom must be joined together. In the gospels, these two are never separated. Only in latter years does it seem those who have heard the gospel of grace know little or nothing of the gospel of the kingdom. That is a shame. Because all you hear hear today is grace, 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 grace. And yes, that's a, that's a kingdom message, but it should never be separated from the kingdom of God message. People must be taught to lay themselves prostrate before God to see his righteousness. I'm gonna be honest with you. The worship we had this morning was 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 it was it was anointed. But the vessels bringing the worship, they got to be consecrated. They got to be broken, so that what's because the singer is the 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 the, the singer is far more than the song. Are you with me? It's got to be. There's got to be a consecration there in order to experience the depth. God wants to use the vessel. And move through it and release the spirit through the vessel. And you know, you can, you can in a moment in time consecrate yourself. You just got to make a decision. Yes. Are you hearing me? You got to make a decision. So, how do we break mammon's stronghold? Is in Mammon is in a fight to control your life. And make sure God and his kingdom never become what you truly value. That's what it is. Mammon is in a fight. Scripture says no servant can serve what? How many masters? Two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The other God... It's really, it's mammon, but really it's us. (laughs) If I put a million dollars on this table up here on this stage and leave for 30 years, nobody able to get to it, you know that million dollars gonna still be there when we come back? Why? Because it's neutral. But it takes on the character of the people who get their hands on it. So mammon, really, the spirit of it. Moves through us. Remember that rich young ruler who came to Jesus? And he said, Lord, what must I do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, he said, he shared a few things with him. He said, "He said, but Lord, I kept all of that my whole life. Kept the law of my life. He said, just one thing, just one thing, just, just one thing. I got a granddaughter. She's so funny. We only did one thing. Uh, Take my granddaughter out. We can go to the park. We can go to lunch. We can can, see, pop, pop. We only did one. We only did two things, pop, pop. (laughs) I said, belly, pop up is tired. (laughs) But he said to this man, he said, this one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. What was he trying to do? He was trying to break Mammon's stronghold over the man's life. And if he made that one decision in that moment of time, he could have inherited eternal life. But he didn't want it. He held on to Mammon. That's why Mammon is in competition with God for the souls of men. Jesus was tempted three times in the Mount of temptation. His temptation was about hedonism, which is self-pleasure. His enta- temptation was about egoism, which is being spectacular. Uh, throw yourself down. Just throw yourself down and the angel, they, God will give his angels charge. It's spectacular. And his third uh, temptation was materialism. I'll give you all of this. John the evangelist in his epistle calls these temptations in the world. He says, in the world, this is what you have. He says, in the world, this is what you have. The lust of the eyes, materialism. The lust of the flesh, hedonism. And pride of life. These are the three things you have you're dealing with in the world. How did Jesus survive the greatest temptation of his earthly life? How did he do it? How did he do it? Well, the first thing he did, he knew his identity in God. Because right before he went into that, God baptized him, and the Holy Spirit spoke, and and God said, this is my son. He confirmed him. And then he went into a temptation. So his identity in God was locked. And you've got to know who you are in God but Jesus was also broken I will do nothing that displeases my father didn't he say that that was his conviction again you can change right now and become as con- consecrated as you need to be you just need to be committed to the words I, whatever I do I'm doing it to please the father it's quiet in here That's how I know I'm preaching real good. But the issue becomes, I'm going to stop here. The issue becomes, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to, what are you going to say to yourself moving forward? Because this, the, the, the time is here to make this decision. Not yesterday. The time is right now to make this decision. Here's a key to life, and let's wrap up with this. Here's a key to life. You never trade, and I think I have it. I did? I had it. Yeah. You never trade. Read this with me. You never trade the permanent, everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. For the temporary earth. A mistress is temporary. Oh. See, y'all think I'm talking about a, a woman. I ain't talking about a woman. I'm talking about something that your heart goes after it becomes your mistress are you hearing me and what it becomes a mistress because god is committed to you but how committed are you to him that becomes the issue how committed to god are you cause he's fully he's fully locked in he's sold out he's committed but how committed are you to him that's The question, and based on the answer for that, will determine just how broken your life is and how much of that life he actually owns. Let's all stand.